the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We are coming to an end of a section in Romans 12. The section ends in verse 13. So this morning, um, we only have two more principles found in Romans chapter 12, verse 13 to address, and those will take about 15 minutes. I don't know that I've ever preached a 15-minute sermon. Amen? So I'm not. <clears throat> what I want to do is I'm going to bring chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. We're going to bring it all together and then finish with those last two principles because these, it finishes here with one aspect and, and that is genuine faith, genuine love, sacrifices. Amen? And we sacrifice based on the mercies of God. And what that looks like is what this is all talking about. Amen? It looks like genuine love, not hypocritical. It looks, and we're going to go through all that. And then at the end, it's about serving each other with gifts. When we're truly born again, when there's genuine faith, genuine love proceeds out of that. And gifts that God has given to us in a measure of faith, amen, found in the text. We use those gifts to serve each other. Why? Because we love each other. A true Bible-believing, God-focused church loves each other. Now that could be convicting to some of us. Let me ask you, do we truly love each other? That's what this whole text is about up to verse 13. Up to 13, it's talking about the relationships with, with inside the body of Christ. Amen. When we get to verse 14, well then that changes. Because genuine faith doesn't just affect what goes on within the church. Amen. Although it does. It also affects what goes on outside of the church. And 14 down to the end of the chapter deals with that part. So we're going to end verse 13 today and we'll bring it all together though right now. Romans chapter 12. The Bible says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. What is that saying? It is biblical, it is reasonable and logical that Christians worship God by being a living sacrifice to Him. That's what that verse is saying. It is biblical, reasonable, and logical that Christian worship, Christians worship God being a living sacrifice to God. I think too many times Christians are sacrificing their life on the altar of flesh of stuff, of experiences. And then God gets a part. 
Bible then says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. How many of you want to live good, acceptable, and perfect lives? Amen? Well, you're not even going to get close if, you're not, or if your mind's not being renewed. What is that text saying? It says that sacrifice is not to be affected by the world. This sacrifice, this person is not to be affected by the world, but it is to be transformed by the Word of God. We are to be saturated in the Word so much that people look at it, man, you are so like crazy spiritual. That's ridiculous. Can you be over-spiritual? In the world's mind. And I'm talking spiritual in the right sense, not in a flippant sense, okay? The sacrifice, that sacrifice, your body, your being, is not to be affected by the world, but transformed by the Word of God. What happens when we become sacrifices that are acceptable to God? By the way, is that not the point? So what happens? What is the outcome? What is the result? For through, according to verse 3, for through the grace, that grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. When you're saturated in the Word, you are not a proud person. Amen. When the Word <coughs> transforms you, you are a humble person. You are a meek person. You are still a strong person. But you're certainly not a worldly person. Because the world isn't what? Conforming you. You see, in your life, your Christian life, the world's conforming you or the Word's conforming you? Is it not true? And by the word conform, that's the wrong word, transforming you. For through the grace that is given to me, just like I've received grace from God, a gift from God, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think soberly, or to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Not only has he given me grace, a gift to be used within the body, but he's also given you a measure of faith. The results of mind renewal are humility and growth in God's giftedness. If you are being renewed day by day in the Word of God, it will humble you and it will grow the giftedness that God has given you. The greatest times in my week are studying the Word of God. I, I just love knowing God better. And usually the most humble time in my life too. Oh. Humility and growth are results of renewing minds. The Bible says in verse 4, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. So Romans 12, 4 is telling us 
Our sacrificial worship to God is individually serving His unified body collectively. Does that make sense? It's exactly what it's saying. Our sacrificial worship, giving ourselves the Lord to the God, is individually serving. That is what we do. We then, as we are re- being renewed, we are becoming more, we love more and more. We love God more and more. Amen. And as we love God more and more, we love each other more and more. We're brothers and sisters. We're closer than family. Our sacrificial worship to God is individually serving. We're serving each other. We're serving the weaknesses of others that have the strength of our weaknesses. We're serving His unified body collectively. As other text says, eyes, ears, nose. I praise the Lord my eyes cannot smell. Nor should they try. That's somebody else's responsibility. But as soon as the ear tries to be the eye, we have trouble. We are serving the eye if you're the ear. You're serving the ear if you're the eye. You're serving the legs if you're the foot. We're serving each other. So, verse 5, we who are many are one body in Christ. You know what? I should like do this. I am so sorry. Is that better? So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. You see, the body requires that each part serve each each other. It requires that. You know what? Everything that you have on your body has a purpose. Why? Who designed that? I remember talking to doctors say, well, yeah, there's no purpose in that. And 20 years later, yeah, there is a purpose from that. We've learned. Every single part has its purpose. The body requires that each part serves the other. That's the principle that's being led. And by the way, this is the body of Christ he's talking about. You form the body of Christ. How dare. They don't need me today. I don't want to serve people. Could you imagine if your foot told you that this morning as you got up? Could you imagine going to the counter of the checkout and as you pass by all the wonderful plant-based food items, you come across one that's in a gold wrapper that says Twix, and your hand says, no, I don't feel like serving you today. I would beat it up. (laughs) How How many get what I'm trying to say? It's not about that. Your hand isn't going to... It's your... It's your mind. And all its members serves each other. Verse 6. So we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophesied, then what are you going to do? If you are given the gift of prophecy then you will prophesy, amen? 
In essence, God gives each child a specific tool to serve the household of faith. I am not going to ask a plumber to wire my house. I am not going to ask an interior designer to do anything, frankly, but <laughs> I'm not going to ask an interior designer to fix the stud that's crooked. Each child has a specific role. You, every one of you, have a specific role within this body of believers. And you are to use that tool, use that role in serving everybody else. You see, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about everybody else. There's a term for that all the way through Scripture. It's called one another. And the Bible is it is saturated with one another commandments. And he goes through a prophecy according to the portion of his faith. That's, we got that from verse 6. If service, then serving. If he teaches in teaching, he exhorts in his exhortation. He gives with liberality. He leads with diligence. He shows mercy with cheerfulness. Listen, folks, if these are the gifts that you're given, use those gifts. Don't strive for somebody else's gift. I can do that better. Use your gifts how God desired you to use them. Use your specific preordained gift to serve others. It is uniquely yours. How many of you are unique? See, I have two people that are unique. All the rest are drones. Because you don't want to raise your hand. I get it. But it is uniquely yours. You're unique to God. He designed you. He created you. He, he gave you, a, He put you in a place that, that taught you different ways, different things. You are so unique. If you don't know the uniqueness, get married someday. It will clearly rear its head. By the way, if you haven't noticed, we have two young men in this room who are interested in your sisters in Christ. You are their brothers. You need to talk to them. Amen? Blake is sitting right over there. Brian's sitting right there. You are Lizzie and Katie's family. He matters. He matters. Know them. If you haven't talked to them, shame on you. I'm dead serious. They want, they are interested in your family member. Now, you say, well, that's the dad's job. True. But it's your job too. Amen? One of the things I love about Mr. Gaiman, he puts the fear of God in their lives by just looking at them. You know the feeling. But one thing that is hard to see 
sometimes is the reason is he absolutely loves and cares for those kids. And he cares for you and for the purity of the church. Listen, folks. Are we, do we make up the body of Christ? Yes or no? Do we act like it? We use your specific preordained gift to serve others. It is uniquely yours. What does that look like when we use our gifts, when we serve other people? What does that look like? Well, we're going to love each other without hypocrisy. We're going to abhor that which is evil. We're going to cling to that which is good. Amen. That's what it looks like. Serving others requires genuine love for God which results in genuine love for others. You cannot serve God as a hypocrite and last. And I don't know how this works. I really don't. But I'm going to do a plea here. I'm working on a dissertation right now. I am saturated with books and texts from Scripture and theologians that are dealing with bivocational ministries. Every one of them that I have listened to or or I'm reading on, they're saying that the problem with bivocational ministry, it's a great ministry, but the biggest problem is burnout. Burnout is the biggest problem. Well, here's the issue. I don't know that that's true. I understand exactly what they're saying. But when you truly love the Lord, and when you truly love others, aren't they your everything? Burnout happens when you do everything in your own flesh. Amen or oh me? If you have a church that truly loves each other, is the pastor going to do all the serving? Absolutely not. Listen, folks, I can't call on everybody. How many of you have a car? How many of you have a phone? How many of you love each other? The ministry, we have this idea that the one guy does everything. Yeah, in that aspect, he will burn out. He will. Because he's doing everything he can't do in his own flesh. Burnout happens. I get it. If we're doing it within our own flesh. But theologically thinking, man, I will tell you, I am exhausted. But love constrains me. Does that make sense? The love of the Lord and the love for you. I can't do things. I can't do everything. I need to realize that. We do the work of the ministry. Amen? I tell you what, I would have pulled my hair out during COVID if it wasn't for Scott. 
I would have quit. I would have run and not looked back. I was so frustrated because it was all my flesh. I got to get this done for everybody else. And it was my flesh. Scott stepped in. What did he do? He used the gift that God has given to serve you. And we can go, and, and I'm just using COVID because it's a perfect example because you watched it on screen. <laughs> you experienced that. That should happen all over the place. Amen? We don't come here to be fed. We come here to feed each other. And by the way, I'm feeding you. <laughs> so you are getting fed. But the reality is, church is not a place where you go and get all the things you need. Although it does happen. It's where you go and give all you can give. Serve all you can serve. It's about other people. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about others. One another. Serving one another. That only happens when it's genuine. Because if it's fake, I'm going to church because I own an insurance company and can you believe all the clients I can get? That's hypocritical faith. I need a house, so I'm going to go to church for a while, get really good friends with them, and then they'll help me with this. That's hypocritical faith. Serving others requires genuine love for God. If you don't love God, please don't serve others because you'll do it hypocritically. Love for God results in genuine love for others, not hypocritical love. The practical results of this genuine love, which is a result of renewing your mind, which is a result of laying at the feet of Christ sacrificially. Amen? Practical results of sacrifice of renewing our mind, of God's giftedness. That's all in this beautiful passage of Scripture. All of that comes down to verse then 10. Therefore, in essence, although it doesn't say that, be devoted to one another. In what? In brotherly love. Give preference to one another. In honor. What is he saying? Serving the body of Christ and serving the body's rightfully placed is our and I'm sorry, serving the body of Christ and reserving the body's rightfully placed is our devotion. In other words, man, I just that that was a spell check of some sort that ruined my whole sentence. Reality is serving the body of Christ will make us serve each other and love it. it that is our rightful place in devotion. Devoted to brotherly love is the word there. Our devotion is serving others. Now, can we serve God here in this building? How? Without serving others, how can you serve God here? Think about that. Oh, we can worship God. We can praise Him, but how can you serve Him? The only way you can serve Him is to serve other people. Do we understand that? Verse 11. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. He brings it all the way down to a, an absolute truth. It's not lazy in other words, serving each other is our passion. 
for we love serving our Lord. Did you see how that worked? Did you see how he switched everything? We passionately serve others. It's what we want to do. It's our whole life. We serve others. Why? Because we serve the Lord. Unfortunately, many of us serve our rifles, serve our shopping, serve our vehicles, serve our stuff. By the way, we need to be really careful on this. When your pets make you get up at two in the morning to serve them, Who's serving who? I'm going to understand this. There's nothing wrong with pets. Believe me, I'm not saying anything that drastic. But I am saying there are way too many idols in our life that are not God. Let me ask you, how does that rifle help you serve others? How does that brand new dress help you serve others? How does your pet help you serve others? Think about that. I'm not saying that there's not an answer. There is. You can think through it. But folks, if there's something that's not helping you serve others, what is the point? Serving each other is our passion. It is what we live for. For we love serving our God. So, what happens when we serve the Lord with total abandoned focus to the church? Because that's what it's talking about, right? It's talking about gifts in the church and serving one another. Amen? How many get that? It's exactly what it's talking about. So, how, what does that look like? Well, when we serve each other, we're rejoicing in hope. Do you remember that passage of Scripture that we took a day? A fantastic truth. Preserving Preservation in tribulation. Listen, when things go bad, who are you going to turn to? The government? That's a novel and ridiculous answer. Devoted to prayer. This is what we do inside the church. When we are serving each other, we can rejoice in hope. What does that mean? Someone can come alongside of us and bring us our attention back to the Lord. Amen. Preserving and persevering in tribulation. They're going to be right alongside of you. Do you remember the darkness walking to the mailbox after midnight? Mom says, I didn't get the mail. I need you to go get the mail. Mom, it's dark. Get the mail. I remember doing that on Ossipee Corners every time I showed up at Grandma's house. I think she reveled in that. And it scared me to death. So, as a high schooler and as a college kid, nobody was as fast as I was. Nobody. 
I could beat anybody at any time. Do you know why? The mailbox. <sighs> Doesn't it stink going through a death in your family alone? How horrible is it when your child is rejecting the faith? We need each other. Amen? We need each other. That's how God planned it. We're there for each other. And there's hurting people in every seat in this auditorium. And we don't know what the hurt is. Because we're not as family should be. We're not as close to each other as we should. I question, and I'll never, I can't know this, but that's why I ask, do we love each other as we are commanded to? If we don't know each other's hurts, I have a hard time thinking we love each other as we should. Don't get me wrong. I can give you an example of a lady in this room that loves you to death. And you will know she does because you're going to get a birthday card, an anniversary card, and they care for you. And I'm not saying this for this to happen, but let me ask you, what if all 70 of you did that? Rejoicing in hope. We need each other. because they're. Uh, see, I'm preaching through the text that we've already preached through. And when serving... Christians serve each other. There is hope in hopelessness. There is strength in tribulation. Why? Because you're going to hold my hand as I go to the mailbox. There is power in prayer. I get so tired of this liberal, nonsensical, stupidity junk that's going on in America that they want to now... Uh, Eradicate the older people. What's that called? Euthanasia. That's not youth in Asia. It's euthanize, right? EU. Eliminate. The backbone of every church are the men and the women on their knees. Prayer. There is power in prayer. The problem is, you don't know how to pray if you don't know your brother and sister in Christ, as you should. Romans 12, 13 is where we Ended, and I'll finish with this last two. The Bible says then, and we talked about prayer last week. If you remember that, whole service is on prayer. Romans 12, 13 then says, this is what it looks like. When, when, when you're a sacrifice to the Lord, when you're renewing your mind, genuine love is what you are. And that genuine love looks like, this is what it looks like. It, it does all these things. There's hope 
because you're serving each other. There is uh, um, power because you're serving each other. There is help because you're serving each other. Then it says contributing to the needs of the saints. Here's the problem. How are you going to know their needs? How are you going to know the needs of the saints? By the way, how do we know this is within the church? It's needs of the saints. There's that. Practicing hospitality. All verse, I really believe this, and, 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 and I think there's evidence here. All these verses up to verse 13 are talking about within the local church. This is what it looks like. We're contributing to the needs of others. What does that look like? Well, the last two evidences of a life of service seem, of course, we help people within the church, and of course, we're hospital, hospitable to them. That, that's what we are, right? Well, it might seem that these would be obvious, that we are having everything in common. We'll get to that verse in just a second, and we're practicing hospitality, but really, are we? When is the last time you quietly but effectively filled a need that your brother or sister in Christ had? When's the last time? You know, nobody needs to know. I, I get it, you know. Remember God says that all works apart from Him are not good works, right? The only good works there are are in and through Him. Amen? So here's these very high-end people that say, hey, I'll make a wager and we'll, we'll donate it to charity. See how good we are? Self-recognition of their great, wonderful life until you see really what's behind. It's motivated differently. It's, there's a word for that that has been coined since the woke moment. Anybody know what that word is? I heard it. Who said it? Virtue signaling. That is the word. And it means you want everybody to know how good of a person you are. Well, guess what? You're not good apart from Christ. You're a dork. It's just that's the way it is. You, you can help people without other people knowing. Amen? There's nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, what does the Bible say in Acts chapter 2? The Bible says, And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. What does that mean? Well, the Bible then explains what that means. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Man, when's the last time, besides potluck, since we just started it two weeks or last month, When's the last time you sat down with members of the church or of the body of Christ and just had a meal with each other? I will tell you, COVID destroyed Romans 12. The, the effects, of, effects of COVID destroyed Romans 12. Because we didn't, did we? 
Do we go to each other's houses? Let me ask you this. Did we do it before? I will tell you this. It is impossible to obey Romans 12 and not be with each other. It's impossible. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 46, talking about what that looked like at that moment. And the reason it looked like that at that moment was because they were being persecuted. Their houses were taken away from them. Their livelihood was taken away with them. And what did they do? They surrounded the church people and served each other. That's what they did. That's why that verse is there. Contributing is from the word, it has, it has the idea of share in, share with. Kanoia is there. Uh, uh, Kanos, uh, uh, what's, what was the name of the hall at, at Pillsbury? Koinonia Hall. Fellowship Hall is the idea. Now, that's a really bad idea. That fellowship has to surround with food because it doesn't. Amen? True fellowship is around His Word. When's the last time you just talked about theology with each other? Let me ask you this. Have you ever? The basic meaning of this word contributing is fellowship and communion. Basic meaning is that of commonality or partnership. It, it, it has the idea of mutual sharing. 1 Timothy chapter uh, 1 verse, or chapter 6 verse 17, instruct those who are rich in this present world to be generous and ready to share. There's that word koinonia again. MacArthur states it this way, one of our most important responsibilities as stewards is using our personal resources to contribute to the needs of the saints, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Galatians chapter 6 verses 9 through 10 tell us this, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then a while we have opportunity, which is right now, right here, let us do good to all people. And then it says, especially what? Especially to the household of faith. There's another level here. Does that make sense? And it's the church. So what is this saying? When serving Christians serve each other, there is help in helplessness. We'll get to the joy in just a second. The text says practicing hospitality. The idea being here is pursuing hospitality. Look for opportunities. Making a place and time to serve others is housing, meals, and other needs that they may have. This practice has somewhat of a cultural, historical aspect to it, which I just talked about. I'm not going to reiterate that again. But what else would this hospitality encompass in our culture in our time? What does that mean? Be hospitable. We all have houses to sleep in, right? Uh, do we have houses to sleep in? Okay. We all have food to eat. So how can we be hospitable today? 
I believe this truth of hospitality is still relevant today. Maybe not in the same sense as it was back then, but nonetheless, it is important. Luke may give us the best indication of how it could apply to us today in regards to fellow believers. Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, it says this, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest also they invite you in return. I want you understand that, what he's saying there. It's hospitable to invite your neighbors and things like that. That's it's hospitable. And by the way, we need to be hospitable within the church. That's the context here. Don't do it so that they will invite you. Amen? Man, I, I talked to a guy last week right in this church auditorium. He said, wouldn't that be great if we got the mayor saved? And I said, wouldn't it be great if the beggar on the street was saved? Both are equally as great. His point was, if we can change the political system, we'll be doing awesome. Listen, only God can do that. And then it goes on and says, uh, so don't, less, don't do this so that you'll be invited in return and repayment will come to you. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, the, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you, for you will re be repaid at the resurrection of the righteousness. Amen. In other words, you want to bless them and encourage them and show them love. Listen, that's hospitality, isn't it? To bless them, to care for them, to encourage them, and show them love. By the way, let's see, who do I... <sighs> I don't know how to make this anecdotal example without being without using myself, and I, I should just use myself. I would love to come to your house and encourage you and show you great things, but please, I, I wouldn't appreciate oatmeal. How many are understanding what I'm trying to say? I don't know how to spit it out. In other words, if you didn't like something, I would not come have you come to our house and feed you that very thing just to get you to like it. I'm going to understand that. That's not the point. I'm not asking people to come and have to your house either. I'm not doing that. What I'm saying is we should be with each other at our houses. Amen? Oh man, that was so weak. You would have thought all of us were woke. <sighs> Listen! We should be going to other people, each other's houses and encouraging them and loving them and sharing that love with them. Amen. That's hospitality. John, 3 John 5-8, through 8, Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when they are strangers and they bear witness to your love before the church. And you will do well to... Send them on their way in a manner of worthy of God. In essence, Paul was saying, listen, I need you to be hospitable to these guys. You have no idea who they are, but they're, going to, they're coming to preach the word. In that sense, this is what we're talking about. Hospitality is talking about in this context with believers. Now, should we be hospitable to others that are not believers? Yes. 
But that's not the context right here, I believe, because the word right before it tells us. When serving Christians serve each other, there is help in helplessness. There is joy in togetherness. Joy in togetherness. You ever been to that person and they just, we talked theology and we, we talked what the Lord's done and different things and just refreshed your soul. You ever been there? It's hospitality. When is the last time you simply enjoyed the company of fellow believers? There certainly is a great need within the church to simply open your home to other believers to encourage and bless them. For two years, well, it's still going on. Do you, I, I found it extremely hard to communicate with people during the mask mandate. Extremely hard. How, I can't even, I can't hear them. It's all muffled, and then I can't see their joyous face. Folks, praise the Lord that God has given us the opportunity to thwart. By the way, the first, some people say, well, masks never work. Here's the deal. I'm not here being a political. I'm here telling you this. Actuality, during the first year, where was the flu? <laughs> it was gone. I mean, the normal flu was gone. Why? There's a reason. We weren't next to each other. Right? We weren't spreading that all over. It spreads. Viruses and things spread by spittle and airborne and all that stuff. And masks, some of them hinder some of them, right? That's at least true. Some of them hinder some of them. Reality is, during that time, how did you encourage people? How did you do any of these things? Now that we've been doing that for multiple for two years since 2020 right are we still in that mode are you listen are we are we being hospitable are we sitting together with common the word of god enjoying the fellowship together we have been patterned to let that slip. Has it not been true? To sum all this up, you can go to one text. And that is, and by the way, there are other texts, I believe this one's talking Christians specifically, but there are other texts talking about being hospitable to strangers even if they weren't born again. And you can find them in Matthew chapter 25 and Hebrews chapter 13. Just, I'm just giving you those informations, okay? That's when the text says, where I was hungry and you fed me, I was thirsty. You know, they have no idea who they are. Naked and he clothed me, Matthew 25 and Hebrews 13. But the text that brings all of this together unquestionably is in the book of Hebrews. And if you turn there with me, please. Hebrews chapter 10. It sums all this up. 
Hebrews chapter 10. Starting in verse 19. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way we, which He inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean with an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider, look at verse 24, right on the heels of the verse we're going to, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not How are we going to do that? Not forsaking our own assembly together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. By the way, 26 is a powerful text too. It all is. But the point is this. Paul is, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. If you can disagree with me, that's okay. It's okay if you're wrong. <clears throat> the reality is this. The writer of Hebrews is adamantly saying, you, you, in principle, at bare minimum, you cannot serve one another by not being with one another. You can't. You, you can't do it. It's not possible. And we can go round and round about COVID and all the stuff that happened the last two years. What matters is this. Matter of fact, we will be doing that in a sense when we get to Romans chapter 13. And we're going to preach messages on obeying the government and when to obey God rather than men. Both of those truths. We will be preaching those. So we will touch on it. But I will tell you right now, during the two years of COVID, the one another's were at best lax, if existent at all. Does that make sense? You say, well, we can do it virtually. The Bible says what in this text? Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. For what reason? Look at verse 22, 24. It says, so that what? We can stimulate one another, encourage one another, help one another, love one another. Now, did Christians just fall off the face of the earth? No, I'm not saying that. There were people that were doing their best they can to do the one another's. Now, I don't know that I agree with this, but the one another issue was an argument by probably the most popular preacher in our church today for not wearing masks. That was his argument. Now, whether or not it's true or not, it doesn't matter. The issue is the one another is extremely important. Do we love God? Well, yes. Do we love others? 
What did Jesus say about that text? Remember the Pharisees tried to trick him up. Hey, what's the most important one? If you had to pick one, which one's most important? What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and others as yourself. On these two lie everything. If that's true, then in one sense, the purpose of meeting here today is to serve one another. Is it not true? We glorify God by serving another. We worship our God serving one another. All those things are true. Man, this is a powerful passage on church, being together, and one another's. Let me ask you, please, answer the question in your own heart and your own mind. How did you obey these passages the last two years? How? Now that the mandates and things are gone, what are you doing now? If we weren't doing them then, we certainly are not doing them now. We're here for each other. I pray that we don't lose sight of the purpose of coming together and assembling. Worship our God and serve others. Dear Lord, I thank You so much for this opportunity You've given us to open the Word of God. I pray. I pray, Lord, as these are in our culture today, based on the situations that You have allowed to happen for Your glory, we have become lax in the responsibility that You have placed us in. Dear God, the emotions rise high as we look back the last two years on what's right, what's wrong, what's true, what's not, irrelevant. What matters to the Lord, I pray, is that we realize our need to love each other as You have gifted us to do so. I pray that as we love You more and more, seeking Your face and Your mercies every day, being saturated in the Word, I pray that that will result in, as you have said, loving each other in the way you have given, gifted us to do so. And I pray, dear Lord, that we will not lose sight of that and that we will be on a mission to serve one another, which in turn is serving you. Not that you have the great name of maybe Francis of Grand Rapids or something like that. But because motivated by, because I simply love the Lord. And therefore, I choose to love my brother and sister in Christ. Dear God, I pray, break us, mold us, shape us, and help us love one another. 
Help us desire to love others like you loved us. And you, in the end, will be given all the glory and all the praise. For you, dear Lord, are the very definition of what that is. In your precious and holy and awesome name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful week loving each other.